You're listening to MCS Spotlight, Resources for Life, Leadership, and Ministry. This is Luch Lombardi from the William Morrill Leadership Center at Masters College. I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're almost we're getting towards the end here. There's just two more terms. And again, this is this is simply a toolbox to become aware of the terms, things that are out there so that pastors might go in more into depth, try to explore these a little bit to be aware of them. Uh, We've talked a lot about the injuries and when we're, our mental health is not good, depression, anxiety, OCD, trauma, PTSD, CPTSD, moral injury, spiritual abuse. What, some of the treatments that are out there, you've mentioned a number of them earlier in our conversation, but here's one that we hear a lot. What is CBT? What is, it's common, we hear it everywhere, but what does it mean and what does it stand for? And, and this is a, not a trauma, <laughs> this is a method of, of uh, trying to help people. So what is CBT? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think these days it's one of our um, more well-known treatment modalities, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT is an approach where we're dealing with people's cognitions, which means people's thought processes and perceptions. Uh, You mentioned it early, the automatic thoughts that pop into our mind like popcorn, it's dealing at thoughts at that level. A little deeper are life assumptions, the unwritten rules beneath the surface that we need to pause and pay attention to that kind of show up in these if-then statements, you know, you know, if, if somebody criticizes me, then it, it means I'm not enough, I'm no good, I'm a failure. Those, those little underneath the surface unwritten rules that are, can become emotionally reactive for us. And then the deeper level of thought, core beliefs, how we really see ourselves others and the world especially when it comes to ourselves those are the i am statements and there's positive core beliefs but we're we're often looking at also managing the negative core beliefs those i am statements i am not deserving i'm not enough that sort of idea and so the therapist would be doing certain exercises there's there's homework in cbt um, like a thought record where you're sent home and you are you take time to kind of pause and become more self-aware of those automatic thoughts that, that are popping up into all your consciousness, kind of working them through a process where you kind of get to evaluate these thoughts. And part right. of that process is gaining, gaining kind of control back, getting in the driver's seat. So these thoughts aren't necessarily bossing you around, that you have a little bit more agency and awareness over your thoughts. And you, then you can be able to reframe them and you know test them out. Is this true, helpful, healthy, rational? Where does this, this thought lie? And you gather evidence, you fact check evidence for and against that thought, and then maybe come up with an alternative appraisal. And so really it's looking at how do our thoughts connect and affect our, our feelings and how do our feelings connect and affect our behavior? Okay. So it goes from thoughts first, thoughts to feelings and behavior. They're all interconnected. And it generally takes a deeper dive look at that and then how we can kind of any distorted thinking on helpful and healthy thinking, how we can bring it back into the healthy zone. Okay, that's good. I mean, some of those thoughts we're not even aware are there and operating and, yeah. and again, becoming aware of them is, is a really good step, first of all. Okay, so that affects, that, that's a, a, a means of therapy, helping us to be well. 
our thinking is important, what we set our mind on. Let's look at one more. And this one's a a little bit, uh, well, it's newer, EMDR. Tell us what EMDR is. Yeah, I got trained in EMDR, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing therapy. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a mouthful, but this is an exciting treatment. It's evidence-based, so is CBT, evidence-based. Actually, it's been it's shown to be as effective as CB as CBT and in, in its um, studies and trials. So it's a psychotherapy treatment that really was developed to alleviate distress and symptoms after a traumatic event when people have these re-experiencing of traumatic memory. And so what we're dealing with in EMDR is the leftover imprints of traumatic memory left in the body, mind, emotions, that, that stuckness, that stuckness and relived, re-experienced sense and trying to get people, you know, re- relieved of those feel safe and at home within themselves and rebound in, in their wellness, emotional regulation and, and relationships. So this is a therapy that has eight phases of treatment and a three-pronged approach. Let me just comment on the three-pronged approach. It's, it's focusing on the past events. Okay, what was, what was this difficult event that happened? And maybe what kind of is, what kind of thoughts are linked to that? The present triggers, you know, what kind of situation circumstances do you find this really uh, gets triggered or d- uncomfortable and what we call future template the preferred future of of what that looks like to be well in the future so there's a kind of a lot of information around emdr yeah. basically we are using this bilateral stimulation process where while a person holds a difficult traumatizing past memory, which would look like somebody, um, you know, shifting, following something to shift their eyes bilaterally side to side, tapping bilaterally side to side uh, or tones. So audio, um, you know, bilateral stimulation side to side. And that is part of the reprocessing aspect, which the summary of that would be is that that bilateral stimulation while holding the memory helps two things kind of transition the memory from implicit memory to autobiographical where it kind of belongs and when it's in autobiographical it's less triggering it's reprocessed right it's less triggering and there's less re-experiencing as when it's held in implicit and that's where we're going to be having the sensations and the relived um, memories and thoughts the IAP model part of it, the adaptive information processing, I know that's lingo, but really it's seen as some of our present day triggers is connecting as a network with that past uh, memory. So think of that memory as almost like the nucleus and there's other, there's other things that kind of attach to it. It helps kind of process through that material as well. Okay, um, so, so let me just interrupt you for a second here because this is fascinating yeah, <laughs> uh, a new new development, and and so can I just just to put it in context here, is this a therapy that is who 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 is this for? First of all, like is this this is people who have encountered trauma, PTSD? I mean that that's sort of what I've heard that this is. Even though I don't, I'm not familiar with all the steps you're you're talking about here. I've heard it's associated with PTSD. So this is not depression treatment. This is something else you're talking about here. It's for the, the 
like trauma situations? Yes. Yeah. And beyond. Um, okay. I should have given a little context to that. It's just a broad kind of treatment. So it can be used not just for trauma, but certain just upsetting, disturbing memories, anxiety. Let me give you an example. So, so I had a gal who came in, I'll give you these two success stories from this one person who just did so well. She had almost like a body dysmorphic response to her arms and legs, really disliked, hated the look of her arms and her legs and for years wore long even in the summer wore long sleeve shirts and pants so we kind of went into this whole reprocessing we found the target memory which was around some bullying and uh, making fun of her arms and legs as a child did this emdr process that i'm i'm <laughs> not describing very well to you today but and and at the end of of that session uh it went well and she came back the next week and she said guess what i wore to school today I wore a strapless sundress and she was just so proud and without disturbance, which honestly, I, I, that's quite remarkable. <laughs> that's a quite a remarkable freeing. Same, same gal had this extreme fear of crossing the street alone. Wouldn't really do it independently. Again, found the target memory of almost being hit by a car, very, very young of, of age. We did the whole process, reprocessed that, came back the next week after doing some, some practicing and could cross the street on her own. And so it can be quite freeing and transformative. Those are some pretty successful examples. So, so this is this is fascinating because here, so it's about it's about dealing then with with memory. So not necessarily yeah. you you've you've helped me here, not necessarily trauma, but it could be this, but memories that our brain is not filed away into what you said you called autobiographical sort of uh, this fits within a bigger narrative and I don't have to deal with it anymore like it's it's interesting but it's not sitting in front of me whereas again if I have angry dog running at me that's that's not in my my memory my autobiographical memory that is this is a situation I need to deal with and so if some of those situations the brain keeps tossing them up and hasn't been able to put them into the archives, so to speak. I, I'm, I'm being very unprofessional and non-technical here, but if the brain hasn't put those into the archives, uh, is that what I'm understanding here? You, you, this, this technique that is not talk therapy, like this is not yes. CBT no. uh, exercising. This is your, your, like, could you describe it? What you're, uh, you, I interrupted your other story. So I want to hear that story with this other young woman, but also could you describe what it is that you're doing with, with okay. the person? So tell yeah. us a story. What maybe, do you, what do you do? Maybe that's a little easier than kind of the background. Cause it gets a little bit, you know, involved, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I think I was just wrapping up that story with the gal who, you know, af- focusing on the target memory and going through the reprocessing. I'll describe that in a sec. Very much found freedom then in crossing the street in- independently. So she, she responded really, really well in processing and, and did really well. So what it kind of looks like is there's a, there's a phase where we're history taking, going right chronologically right through somebody's life and looking for certain memories that, that seem stuck or upsetting, distressing or stuck. And there's, we rate it on a scale of one to 10, how upsetting that memory is. So, so that's kind of the phase. And then we make a treatment plan of what seems appropriate uh, memories to, to focus on and, and do that focusing on that um, called touchstone memory. So that early memory, the present trigger, and then the future template, what we want it kind of that health to look like. We do this 
treatment where somebody is holding the memory. As they hold the memory, they're either doing the bilateral eye movements, tapping or tones for a certain number of sets that's controlled by the therapist. And the therapist will, you know, stop the bilateral stimulation and just check in. It sounds like, you know, and what's there now, you know, and they give a little short report and you just, okay, go with that. And, and, and they continue on with this bilateral stimulation, the eyes. So bilateral meaning like. What? Oh, side to side. Yep. Yeah, side okay, to side. side, to side. Yep. Eye move, it's eye movement, side to side, tones, side to side, tapping, side to side. So what, I'm, I'm moving my eye side to side yeah. and that is doing something while I'm holding this memory in trying to focus on it. And that is doing something within my brain to allow it to. Yeah. Just yeah. So a few things there. So kind of crossing midline of brain, even the eye movement, it's thought to kind of mimic what happens in REM, the reprocessing in our brains that happens during our REM sleep where our eyes go back and forth. Right. And it's moving the content, hopefully from implicit memory where it's stuck to autobiographical. It's also kind of dealing with reprocessing all the little straggler memories that could be triggering that's attached to this one past memory. So memories that happened subsequent to the event or trauma, they've kind of attached themselves. And so it's reprocessing those thoughts. And so you'll hear people as they go on, some of these associated memories come up when you stop and check in associated memories will kind of come up and sometimes even be surprising content. They don't find that related. And eventually content starts to move towards more neutral, a more neutral zone. And you're checking in and rating the target memory. You're always going back and checking in and say a memory was an eight out of 10. The goal is to get to zero and you'll see it come down as you go through the reprocessing. You're doing the side to side movement for so many sets. You check in on the information. Every so often you check in on this target memory. Where's your uh, subunit, subjective units of distress, SUD score. <laughs> and you'll say, oh, like it's a four now. Okay, we do more sets. There's more information that comes out. The adaptive, the information is becoming adaptive. It's transforming into more neutral zone. Oh, I feel like it's a two now. That memory, when, I, when it comes up, it's a two. And eventually we get to zero where it's not, it's neutral. And so this is all happening. The adaptive information processing, kind of getting rid of the stragglers of memories attached yeah. to also kind of the bilateral stimulation is one, moving memory from implicit to autobiographical and keeping this dual awareness. So the person is holding the memory in the past, but they're also here and now, they're also very present, which is important. Right, okay, so it's keeping them, it's, it's, they're holding the memory there while they are also needing to focus on something in the present. And that, that helps in the healing here, but this sounds almost too good to be true in some way. Yes. <laughs> like, like here you have a way that's, that's sort of a physical movement that brings healing that just allows the brain to heal itself and the impact of memories that are, are harmful in some way, just begin to um, puts them in their, in their place. So yeah. how long has this therapy been around? So Francine Shapiro was the kind of founder developer stumbled upon upon this in the 80, early 80s, I believe. Okay. And you can look up EMDR, Francine Shapiro. She has a library with lots of content, studies uh, and all the rest, which, which can be helpful if you're really into, into uh, getting into some meteor, meaty journal articles. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really empirically val validated. It's been around for a while. It's been studied. 
evidence-based and just as effective as CBT or more effective if, if it's trauma-based issue. Fascinating. Fascinating. Can I, that, do this, that, I, can, I, I can I do this to myself to get rid of my memory? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, not, some people do. <laughs> I'm not, it's oh, not wow. I mean, I, we, we definitely advise somebody to do the process <laughs> of professional, but it's not to say that even sometimes the bilateral tapping when it's, when it's slow, you know, we talk about like a, even a butterfly hug, that's a kind of a regulating thing to do is crossing your arms and just tapping your shoulders slowly kind of soothes the nervous system. So, I mean, yes, but this whole process, you know, you want to do that with the professional and yeah. I know that was a mouthful because it's a little bit yeah. complex to condense. So I apologize to everybody for that, but. Well, no, I think it's important though, because, and the reason I asked you to talk about th that one and you, I know that you, you had mentioned this is something that that's important because it's exciting that there may be folks who maybe other things hadn't helped them when it came to trauma. And again, we're not saying this is some sort of, it's not magic cure-all, but we're saying that here's another technique, another yeah. approach yeah. that might be very helpful to people that are suffering. And the fact that you're trained in it and have found some positive success in, in relatively short periods of time. Yes. That's what's exciting about this, right? Yeah, that, uh, there, there definitely are studies you can access there on the library that will tell you more more definitively, like how many sessions a person can kind of make the gains they need for their wellness compared to a couple of years of therapy or more. Now, that's not to say with, with somebody with kind of more complex trauma load, you might be doing this for a while. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. I don't want to paint the picture like it's always very quick, but but you it don't is want to pretty... put yourself out of a job, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it, it's really amazing to watch, and I, I want to make this point. You know, people think about it, it's difficult to be with a past memory, which is so very true. But in this process, there is transformation, and you kind of see this healing path, and you see this reprocessing and the desensitization of the meat from the material from the disturbing material and you see this just beautifully transpire before you and so the clients get to know too uh okay this might be difficult but but there is an end point you know at the end of this session or at the end of this target memory where i actually do find relief so there's a great buy-in to the process uh when the clients have experienced that fantastic Christy, thank you so much for taking time today. We're going to break this into a series of episodes and uh, hope this will be a helpful toolbox for our pastors, just understanding some of these terms and some resources that are out there. Just uh, as we close off, we mentioned some, some resources. We mentioned the body keeps the score, the end of worry. We mentioned Brett Ullman. Christy, is there any, um, and we'll, we'll type some of these up in the podcast yeah. information for people, but any other books or sources that people might go on to go to, a pastor might want to go to? Yeah, sure. Well, one thing I just want to say about the CBT, we have a free uh, CBT treatment program in Ontario. Um, if a person goes to their healthcare provider and asks for a referral to the Ontario Structured Psychotherapy Program, and if that person meets the criteria around PTSD, OCD, anxiety, and depression, they can get up to 12 to 15 free sessions from a specialized CBT clinician. Not everybody knows that. Really great program to try to access for your folks. As for a book, I'm going to say maybe a couple. I'm going to say the PTSD workbook by Mary Beth Williams. We'll, we'll link that. The Worry Cure 
we'll we'll link that book in as well. If I think of a couple couple others here, yeah. we'll link it. But those are a couple that come to mind. Yeah. Okay. So you can send me that info, and I'll make sure it gets up on the uh, on the podcast yeah. site. So Christy, thank you again for taking the time to be with us, and I'm hoping that this is going to be really valuable for the pastors. And again, we'll put these um, links up to resources for you. So thanks, Christy. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this edition of MCS Spotlight. This is Luke Lombardi coming to you from William Morrill Leadership Center. To contact us, you can reach us by email at advancedleading at mcs.edu. And you can follow us on Twitter at advancedleading. Or visit our webpage at mcs.edu slash leadership. We're also on Facebook under Dr. William Morrill Leadership Center. Thanks for being with us.